This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Turning to the world of academia and schooling, it is crunch time for students. Finals are in full swing, a lot of work and a lot of stress. So what can a student do to manage their stress? And what can schools offer to students to help with that stress as well? It's a two-way street, you know. Elizabeth Moeller lives, breathes, and eats academia. Elizabeth is the founder of EM Disability Consulting. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. It is the thick of marking for those in TA land <laughs> and exam land for those on the other side of the coin. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to leave TAs out of this. Uh, y'all have it's y'all okay. have your y'all have your stresses too, uh, Elizabeth. I remember final season, especially when I was in university, being really, really difficult. Just it, the time management was brutal. I, I would always end up in these situations where I'd end up with three or four exams in one week sometimes Uh, two in a day, like just awful, awful, awful. What do you remember about final season? Yeah, I think just before I answer that question, just to acknowledge this is a this is a heavy time for students uh, and, and learners. And so, you know, it's it's important to take some time and that you obviously are if you're a listener land or vortex viewership, um, just just to sort of reset. And so I just want to acknowledge that what I what I remember is big rooms with maybe 100 plus people, um, very much a lot of sort of surveillance around like, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat, which made the anxiety even higher. Um, I remember very, like you said, very crunch schedules. And I remember often not getting my exam scheduled until very close to that December timeline. Yes. Yeah, like it was, and and then I remember the crunch too, if you're in the uh, camp where you need accessibility supports that you're trying to book all of your accommodations for your exams, but you don't maybe have your schedule until the week before the exam. And sometimes the deadline to book had already passed. So that was a really big challenge. You know, I'm glad you brought up the accommodation part of this conversation. I've I've often said on the show, one of my biggest mistakes in university was not being a little bit more honest with myself about my disability and about my accommodation needs and not developing yeah. a relationship with the Office for Students with Disabilities. But I I do I I really do remember the, the the added stress because your whole environment was going to be different if you wanted yes. to write the exam in the big room with everybody else. And sometimes it was a building that maybe you'd never been to before on campus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, where is the Wong building? <laughs> we have that building on campus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that too. And and I did write with accommodated exams. So I either did my exam orally with the professor. So you would meet the professor in their office and they would they would ask you the questions. It would be more like a conversation. Oh, interesting. Uh, which I loved. Yeah, I love that. But I also remember doing exams in the Access Center, and that had a layer of stress because of course the computer didn't have the software that I used, or the computer didn't work, or the right, proctor didn't right. know how to get. So there's all that layer of stress too, to your point about different environment that makes it really really extra challenging for those with sight loss and other disabilities too. 
Elizabeth, I'm going to put a couple questions together here. Again, knowing and understanding that my experience is 20 years old at this point, right? Like, it's it's not contemporary. But my feeling on this is that schools and programs and profs expect way too much mm -hmm. from university students. Because you've just come off writing four or five 20-page papers all due the last week of November, and all of a sudden you're walking into exam season. Like, 75% of your grade is determined over the course of like a 21-day period. How do you think yeah. schools themselves could address the stress that students are feeling this time of year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a couple things that, that I've tried to take up in my own practice. So thinking about what are we wanting students to get out of this course, this, this learning program, this activity, and does it have to be a big exam? Like, do we really need to have hundreds of people crammed into a gym to write an exam? Or could it be a learning activity that students choose from? So you have an option of three or four things. Students choose what works for them with their schedule, and they submit it. And I recognize from the marking perspective, because I say this is somebody that also has marked learning activities, that that's a lot more work. But I think schools really need to think about what we're asking people to do and what the, what, what are the essential requirements here. I think the other really big piece, and I, I'm, I don't in any way um, condone or endorse cheating, but we're getting into this very strict surveillance culture that's making it very stressful for students. Mm. And frankly, sometimes the surveillance culture is not accurate or it has biases towards specific groups. Um, I know many people can't use software on their computer to track um, you know, their, their, their progress because it, it crashes with their assistive technology. So I think that's a big piece that schools need to think about. Like, what are we wanting students to do? Um, and how are we building a community of trust? Like, are we just saying, don't cheat, don't cheat, and we're going to punish you and we're going to watch you? Or are we really helping each other to be accountable? So I think those are some concrete things. But I also think it's interesting to me around exam time at my institution, we'll see like happy dogs and we'll see like booster juices and all these free stress workshops or workshops around, you know, managing time, time management. It, those, it's, are, those are it's, great. It, it's the oxygen bar. We've got the oxygen it's, bar yeah, and the exactly. puppies like and the student Vegas. commons. Yeah. And the balloons. Don't forget the balloons, those balloon animals, although those scare me because they pop. But um, <laughs> what I... What I want to see is um, less sort of reactive, like let's put all this stuff in place for a week, which actually I find to be over hyper stimulating and things throughout the term that really build in wellness. So more mm. wellness weeks. I want to see more uh, communities of care and more cultures of care in, in the classroom. Um, and as a TA, we're limited in what we can do. It's not our course, but I, I want to see professors and students building trust. I show up every day. You trust I do my best. I trust you're doing your best. Let's talk. Um, deadline. I think I can't mark every assignment in one day anyway. So let's talk about, you know, do we have a week time period where things are due and people within that week can submit? Like, yeah, what are we doing yeah. To, to, yeah, to create our best students who can come to school and put their best selves forward? I like your idea of alternative uh, activity schedules or alternative uh, uh, grading and testing and assignments, different models to be played with, because going to a bit of positivity here, the Ontario College model in radio broadcasting was incredible. Pretty much every course was just, here's something, a little something you have to do every single week, 
right? A little assignment here, a little assignment there for every class. Sometimes it could even be done during class time, which I really, really appreciate it as someone yeah, who, will, awesome. who will naturally procrastinate if, give, if, given, if given the opportunity. And then maybe towards <laughs> the end of the year, there were uh, some what you would call sort of amalgamation assignments, right? Where some of the work that you did earlier in the year was going to be put into something bigger, packaged together. And I, I liked that model because I'm a very task-driven individual. Mm -hmm. It so builds I'm, on each other. Exactly, first. exactly. Yes, and yes. it's so much easier to track your progress as a student, as someone trying to put yeah. the work together. Yeah. You know, Dave, what you said there really resonates with me because I feel like often when I was an undergrad and even the exams I've had to administer as a TA, it's like 75% of your mark or 50% of your mark. And what if you were just having an off day? I want students throughout the term to know what their progress is. Like a participation mark is one thing I see a lot. It's like, but how are, how are we measuring that? And how are we telling students each week, you know, Dave, here's where you're doing really great with your radio broadcasting interview. Here's where you might need to, to, to beef up a little bit. Um, but I feel like we need to be helping students throughout the term, not just in sort of that, that final stage, but building. So summative and formative assessments where we're giving positive and constructive feedback each week. And then it builds into something and we can catch student learners who are struggling early on and say, okay, I think this is an area where you're struggling, Elizabeth. Let's bring you in and try to get some help from writing services and other support services on yeah, campus. Yeah. Elizabeth, yeah. if I were to offer one piece of advice, it would actually be borrow something that you mentioned on the show yesterday in regards to keeping Ooh. track during application season, one of the things that I used to make a habit of was just having one master sheet of yes. every single date of exam, every single date of final paper, when something was due, where it had to go, maybe just like a little teensy blurb of where I was at progress-wise on it, and just have a list, have a literal checklist of check, 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 check and it feels so good from a stress management point of view to hit those little check marks and check it kept it me off. organized yeah. so my yeah. check it off check it off check it off um, it's like shake it off but not quite, yeah. not quite. <laughs> but but elizabeth so that, that's my one little piece of advice try to get yeah. as organized as you can yeah. but what advice would you offer to students to better manage their stress yeah, I think I think starting early where where possible and trying to put supports in place early. I know it's not always possible possible. And I would say regarding accommodations, do a check-in. This is a good time of year to go, are my accommodations working? Do I need accommodations? Should I think about getting an assessment because I'm really struggling with writing and I'm not sure it's just uh, a me thing, but there might be something a little bit deeper and bigger going on. So I always like to, to call it my accommodation check-in because accommodations are fluid and they can and do change depending on what our needs are. So I like to I like to suggest to students my piece of advice, do that accommodation check in with yourself. Elizabeth, thank you for this. It's been great to have a double header of you this week. Yes. And you're coming back for a triple header back tomorrow as as co-host of the show. So I uh, talk to you in about 24 hours. Talk to you in about 24 hours, Dave. Have a lovely day. That's Elizabeth Moeller, the founder of EM Disability Consulting. Let's bring in Alex Smythe to find out what's going on in the world of weather. Alex, you are looking to the north yet again in Nunavut. Yeah, Dave, because last time we looked up north in Nunavut, there were a series of blizzards that were really impacting the region. Well, that script has flipped because starting uh, the month of December off has been extreme heat up north. And in fact, so extreme that they've set monthly records in some places, including Gricefjord, were a whopping 31 degrees above the seasonal weather. 
31 degree variance from what it normally should be up north. That's not the only place that was setting uh, monthly records. You also had Arctic Bay, Pond Inlet, and Resolute all setting monthly records. And it was all part of this really unusual pattern that just brought extreme heat up north. Now, the good news is things have since returned back to the seasonal conditions, but it was just such a a wild blip on, on the weather radar to have this variance in temperature to now be back to the seasonal average, which is roughly around minus 20 degrees, depending on the community up north. But it was just a small little kind of story I wanted to bring forward and just highlight just how extreme and how volatile this weather has been throughout the country so far this season. Alex, thank you for this. Appreciate it. That is Alex Smythe. We'll be back a little bit later in the show for the roundtable chat. But coming up next, fertility rates are falling in Canada for a variety of reasons. Jenny Bovard considers the data and shares her perspective. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.